If you're looking for strong opinions, loosely held and widely shared, you've come to the right place. This is the National Talkie League. National Talkie League. Rumble, young man, rumble. It is another jarring episode of the National Talkie League. Jarring, Dave. I say that because I believe that something's going to get jarred tonight, and it's not preserves. Uh, off to a bad start. Sing us a song. National Talkie League. It's getting jarring. National Talkie League. But it's not canning. National Talkie League. We're going crazy. You know, I'm sticking with the no edits. I like the fact that... It's like no do-overs. You know, back when I used to have this job talking into the AM radio, it was like, ah, man, I wish I could have started four out of five shows over again. But it's never been my forte. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a late bloomer, Dave. So are you. I th- <laughs> wow. I just, I just flipped my hand over and there's a compliment there. Weird. Uh, <laughs> I am a fan of, uh, of real life, uh, being an improviser by trade. I believe that people would rather hear you make the mistakes and and be subpar than be perfect every time. That's like my favorite bumper sticker or t-shirt is um, perfect is the enemy of of great. Perfect is the enemy of great. Yeah. Yeah, cuz like yeah, so many people they don't want to do something unless it's going to be perfect, right? And it's like, no, nah, man, like you would never eat. Right? <laughs> like do you know what I mean? You'd never cook a meal. For yourself, if you felt that everything had to be perfect, and like by the way, everything is is flawed. Like all of the best developments are flawed. I was having this conversation with somebody I just met last week. We were talking about like you know business and and uh, you know how she's really motivated to you know do a killer job and everything she does, and she doesn't like to to do things half assed or start without like really having a firm grasp on what's going on. And I just was looking at her going. No, dude, you got to blow up some rockets if you want to be NASA. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, I use this. I use this analogy when I'm doing uh, uh, the Lego Serious Play stuff. Uh, so it's the it's the it's the completely made up analogy of uh, a teacher at uh, at an art school. And so the the class is about making vases. And so the the teacher goes into the first uh, class. He's got two different groups. Goes to the first group and he says. Uh, your your final grade will be based on a single vase that you present to me at the end of the semester. So uh, so read up, do some studying, whatever it takes. Spend your time, learn how to do this. Build me one vase, hand it in at the end of the semester. And then he goes to the second class and he says, just make vases. Just make them all semester long. The last one you hand in is the one that I will grade. Right? So who's going to make the better vase? Um. The, the people who like fail enough or, or, do, or do poor ones before they complete their last one. Absolutely. Because those people are making all of the mistakes. They're learning. They're going, oh, that one, that one caved in on itself and here's why. Let's make another one. Oh, that one didn't cave in it. So now I know how to not make them cave, right? It's a, it's a learning curve. They've gone through that entire learning curve. It's the same concept as the, the 10,000 hours to master something, right? right? Which yeah. is a crap load of time, by the way. If you've ever actually done the math – as to how long 10,000 hours is, it's a crap load of time you have to spend at something if, if that's uh, actually a, a truth, you know. It's a Malcolm um, Gladwell thing, so we don't want to put too much credit into it, right? Yeah, the, it's, it's been uh, hacked up a little bit too since that was a bestseller. Uh, but your, your story reminds me of this Zig Ziglar 
saying, I love Zig Ziglar, by the way. If you ever just want to get like caught in some motivational tapes on YouTube, you know, or if you just want to, if you just want to say an awesome sounding name, yeah, I want to know like, uh, if his parents, who I guess were just like suit, like dirt poor, if they figure this is his only shot, is if we give him a novel name. <laughs> <laughs> but he uh, he says anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you can figure out how to do it well. Uh, one of my kids' favorite uh, cartoon shows is a show called Adventure Time, and they had one episode where one of the characters is this talk, talking dog who can change shape at will. And he says to one of the other characters, the other character's kind of bummed out because he did something really crappy. And he's like, you know what, man? Don't worry about it. Sucking at something is the first step at being sort of good at something. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so um, this is the part of the show where I, I, I nitpick on you, Dave. But you did something that, that, um, that I thought was interesting. And like you are the person that if someone else did this, I would rush this conversation to. So I hope you, you understand the spirit of where this is coming from. But in your parable there of the two art teachers, you, you said – uh, what were they making? Uh, vases, vases, vases. Okay, I said, so I said vases. you used, but no, you used both, and that's oh, what I did. I was Interesting. Like, yeah, you said like vase and then vases, ah. and then vase, and I was wondering, what's up with that? <laughs> I'm I'm bivasal. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's annoying that um, to me that um, words can have two different pronunciations like that, like vase and vase, and herb and herb. Well, and I'll spend the rest of the evening trying to figure out why I would use both rather than just one. But, but do, uh, people, yeah. do, do other languages have this? Like, do you know of other languages where the pronunciation varies? Well, the problem, like a, sorry, yeah, the problem is, is that English is, is, you know, is a, is a mutt language basically, right? We've got like seven different languages kind of rolled into one or influences from all those languages. And then you've got the, the regional dialects, which is why you have things like herb and herb, right? The Americans, Say herb, and then the, the the English say herb, right? Right. I I just I think it's a sign of weakness as a as a as a people. Like the Germans, I don't think they've got double pronunciations. They're not messing around. I mean, like they, they might, fight they, to the death for their shit. <laughs> they might have some regional. Yeah, that's an interesting. We should uh, talk to any you talkies out there. If you speak uh, other languages and you know about this, you should tell us about it. I suspect yeah. there's always regional dialects, right? Because there's people from, you know, in Spain, you know, the Catilians or the Cat Catalanians. I don't know what, how to pronounce it. Catalonians. Catalonians yeah. might speak differently and have different, you know, uh, words that they use and, and, and verbs and choices that they make. But you're probably right. English is one of those. I mean, it's it's by far the widest, widely most widely spoken language in the world. And it's constantly changing, too. So. Yeah, the 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 um, other thing about vase and vase, like they both mean the same thing. Whereas in Chinese, that whole thing about you know, ha means mother and goat. So be careful, <laughs> like you know what I mean. There's no way like vase mean doesn't mean something you put flowers in or something Gwyneth Paltrow pours boiling water on her vagina for. <laughs> Fair enough. This this kind of falls into the the uh, the grammar Nazi thing too. I always find that interesting when people are getting really nitpicky about grammar. I do it to tease from time to time with you, uh, but I try not to do it 
in social media, I try not to get in there and go, by the way, you know, what you meant to say was this. And I do it sometimes, but I try not to. And the reason I do is this, uh, this friend of mine who was an English teacher, I was, I sort of, you know, uh, mentored, he mentored me for a while when I was thinking about maybe going into education. And, uh, he used to always tell me that, you know, if you're going to be a grammar Nazi, you have to spend an equal amount of time going online and going, dude, that was an awesome word choice. Wow. You really use the language well that time. Cause if you're not, then all you're doing is shitting on things, right? Right. That's your only purpose is to shit on something. It's not to, to actually defend the language in any way. Cause if you were, you'd be excited when people use a great phrase and you'd be like, that was a great phrase you just used. Yeah. I guess that would be like if Roger Ebert hated all movies, like didn't have an appreciation for movies, right? He just went to the theater just to criticize them. And if somebody ever said, what's your favorite movie? And his response was just this like, ah. Oh. No such thing. They're all terrible. The one that gets the least things wrong, right? Yeah. It's like <laughs> the, the one that makes my thumb horizontal. The word that comes to mind is salty, right? Just, <laughs> just being salty about it for no reason. Why is it Nazi though? Like why grammar Nazi? Like, you know, cause it's, it's very extreme. I don't think there's a, a group more reviled than Nazis, but like, you know, if you're not like all the way, like the most harsh grammar, uh, grammar critic, can you be just thought of or spoken of as a gra- grammar uh, Mongolian or like a grammar Hun? You're a grammar Viet Cong. <laughs> yeah, there he goes. He's not really a Nazi, you know. Like he didn't come on out. He just was really trying to keep me in check, I think, and it wasn't warranted. Well, and the irony being that if you actually went, you know, and looked at at the term itself, you'd be like, well, no, in no way are those people actually acting in any way that the Nazis did. So if you're going to use a term. That was not grammatically correct. <laughs> and what about the the Nazi that was really like a a confrontational, uh, you know, jerk about being a Nazi, who would like go around correcting all the Nazis? <laughs> See the Nazi Nazi? What was that guy's deal? Maybe that's the thing. Maybe there was a professor who was an actual Nazi, and everybody was like, "Oh, don't don't say anything wrong around that guy. That's the grammar Nazi over there." <laughs> <laughs> People would sign up for that guy's class like crazy, though. That's Heinrich, the grammar Nazi. Repeat <laughs> after me. Ein. Nein. It's not I could care less. It's I couldn't care less. Don't you understand? Listen to me. Uh, all right. Hey, we're going to get into a lot here uh, on the on the National Talking League podcast. Uh, this is uh, episode number 53, Dave Ware. And I want to give a shout out to a friend who uh, had a birthday recently. Um, and uh, it's had a bit of a tough spell. I think he was in the hospital for a little bit there. But um, it's kind of nice, man. You get the, the one thing I really like about social media is that um, you are just sort of presented with uh, wonderful images or thoughts or, or sentiments from time to time. And it was really good to see our buddy Jim Button of uh, Village Brewery uh, out enjoying the fresh air and the sunshine and the snow today. I believe he was cross-country skiing through uh, Shaganapi through the golf course there and had a uh, – it just looks like he was just living it up. So uh, that was heartwarming because um, he's got a bit of a, a bit of a road ahead of him. But, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's putting on the foil. He's lacing up the gloves. He's getting right in there. Love the Jim Button. Fantastic guy. Nobody I know that does more to sort of create joy and happiness in this city and try to spread it around than the gym button. It's true indeed. Um, all right. Do you want to – should we just jump right in on what is obviously the hottest topic in the country right now? <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. Yeah. So the question I think, Dave, is 
When has it ever been okay for the government to force people to tick a box telling them what they think? And that might be a really, uh, uh, you know, overly simplified way of of explaining this, but I, I, you know, I don't even think that you have to get into a debate about abortion uh, or pro life or pro choice to to be able to enter this argument and go, yeah, that's not cricket or that's totally a okay. You're 100 percent right, but that's exactly what happens as soon as you bring this issue up. People start talking abortion, which I suspect may have been the goal of the people who brought it up in the first place. I think they would like us to continue to rant and rave about uh, pro-choice and pro-life instead of the fact that, as you said, the government is now asking, not requiring, but uh, I guess requiring if you want to be eligible for the summer grant uh, jobs program, uh, that you must tick a box saying that your core values align with those of the government. And not just specifically to the charter, but also just what the government wants it to say there. Yeah, it's the basket of goods thing, right? So, and I mean, I, I always sort of just feel like throwing down a caveat at the start of these conversations, but nah, screw it. I'm not going to try to couch my words or make anybody think I'm a chicken shit about what I'm about to say. But, but, the, but the point of it is, it's like the, we we have laws in this country, and we also have freedoms in this country. And so, for the government to basically say that your participation in a government program is contingent upon your thoughts being aligned with us. Now, the the test for this would be: What if a conservative government did this? There's no bloody way. And even if they did this exact same version of it, there's no bloody way progressives in this country would think that it's a-okay for the government to say, look, if you want access, just let us know that you think the way we do on, on bended knee. Come on. Well, yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting to me because this is one of those subjects where we have this – this viewpoint, I'm saying we, you and I, I think we feel the same way on this, but really, I guess I should say me. But I, I get, I have these viewpoints that are very specific and then have a very pointed uh, outcome. And so I find it hard to argue these things sometimes. So you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, the, the people that are, are saying, well, too bad. Why shouldn't they just sign it? Are definitely, you know, progressives, people on the left side of the spectrum because they're looking at it as like, uh, fuck you people who don't, you know, who, uh, oppose abortion. Which I don't think is what this is. I don't think that's what it's about. And I suspect most of the groups applying for these jobs are not trying to further the cause of abortion in any way, shape, or form. They just want to get some people employed and they just happen to be religious-based or something else-based, right? Where their core values don't don't explicitly discuss charter issues. Because, you know, most companies, their their core values include a full, you know, reckoning of the charter, do they not? But 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 my point being that um People who have argued this one with me keep saying things like, oh, well, you know, they don't believe in this and they don't believe in that. And I'm like, well, I'm not really that concerned with the specifics of this particular one. I'm worried about what comes next. I'm worried about how does this tick box get used in the future, right? And what if, as you said, what if a government that you disagree with gets in and all of a sudden starts saying, I don't know, let's get crazy here. Uh, uh, you can't have a beard, Okay. Okay, yeah. You have to promise that no one working for you is going to have a beard or wear any kind of headdress. Would that be okay? Right? Probably contravenes the charter, but I'm not 100% sure that ticking that, you know, forcing people to, to tick that box isn't also a, a, a charter violation. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised for a second if the government gets taken to court over that thing. Well, yeah. And how stupid is that? I mean, like that just kind of double ends the, the idiocy of this, of this whole 
you know, tick box. Like, so first of all, the government has set themselves up to be gamed, right? They want to make sure that these daughters don't fall into the uh, daughters dollars <laughs> don't wow. fall into the hands of these of these filthy pro lifers, right? Of anybody who would who would uh, stand in in a woman's way uh, in her right to choose. Um, yet all somebody has to do is cross their fingers and tick this box, and now all of a sudden they get the money, which is ridiculous, by the way. I don't think that any religious organization uh, that may get preferential treatment under the tax code. Churches, you heard me. Um, could uh, uh, should be should be benefiting from a program like this anyway. Who knows? Maybe they're not. But I mean, it seems to me that if you're not paying taxes, you should have scads of cash in the pantry with which to hire interns to do God knows what with. Which is actually a pun in the church wow. context. Well, of I, it? Yeah, thank you. Um, like <laughs> but like you know, I just I, I remember you, you said something earlier, right? That that this was. This is like designed to be a wedge issue just to get people talking. And I think that in the wake of everything that Trudeau has just been through where uh, most sound-thinking Canadians probably think that this guy's a bit of an imposter and certainly a bit of a, um, uh, you know, a, a, a cheat anyway. Um, this is like one of these stories to remind you uh, why you voted for the liberals because, hey, I'm the good, happy, sunny, feely, good-feeling guy. And I guarantee you that if Stephen Harper had ever made anybody tick a box that said you can't wear a niqab at a citizenship ceremony, all hell would have broken loose. Guaranteed. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I read an interesting article today. I'm trying to remember what it was. Maybe National Post. Uh, your man, Rob Breckenridge, uh, uh, keyed me onto it. And it was a really interesting article. It was an opinion article, but basically it, it took the tack that, you know, next week, uh, or this coming week, uh, uh Justin's going to go over to Sweden. And he's going to look good in all those pictures. He's going to smile and he's going to be nice as punch to all of the other world leaders. But then when he gets back home, he's going to continue on, you know, they called, they called him, uh, they called it rottweilering <laughs> away at the other side, right? So, you know, from the, uh, from the earlier issues we had with the, uh, the, the middle class and the, uh, the, the, uh, employment tax issues, right? Where he's going after, you know, middle, middle Canadians and people who are trying to run a farm and telling them that they're cheating on their taxes. And the next thing up is we're going to go after these. Oh, yeah. No, if you don't agree with everything this government says, you're not on board with our message, then to hell with you. No jobs for you. And it's just, I don't know. I, I mean, my personal opinion is, Spend a little more time running the country and a little less time worrying about this kind of shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's it's full-blown election, uh, American election cycle here now, right? Like where you're not doing stuff to benefit the nation. You're just doing stuff to, you know, to build your character and build your per your persona so that you can contend the next election. Um, you know, I think I think this is a bit of a masterstroke in that, in that respect because it does nothing but say, gosh, wouldn't it be great if the whole country agreed with our progressive values? And I think that, you know, if there's a, there's a, probably a substantial, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the la latest survey says, but I'd say it's probably in the neighborhood of sixty to seventy percent of people in this country who would be outspokenly pro-choice if if you know they if they felt they had to be if if somebody asked and they had to deliver an answer, but if they had to tick a box, <laughs> if they had to tick a box, as it were, um, yeah. But this 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 is just the same sort of claptrap that we've been in for, you know, basically since this guy got elected. Well, and that, that's the thing that bugs me too, though, is it's like, I, I agree with those people. I agree that companies should follow the charter. And I agree that, you know, companies shouldn't be trying to, to put forth a, 
you know, some kind of dogma that uh, doesn't follow the laws of the country. But at the same time, it's a free country. And if a company wants to do that, they can do that. I guess what they're trying to say is, well, then no jobs for you. It's just, I don't, I, I don't disagree with the end, but I think the means are, are just bullshit. I think it's a bullshit way to go about doing it. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying you sound pained in, in saying that, but, um, What's controversial about the government has no place in your brain, right? Like that's yeah, – no, you're right. Yeah. So I don't know why people got their noses out of joint talking about this the way that they because, did. Because they framed it as an abortion issue, which – you know, when was the last time abortion was an issue in this country? Was it the 80s? Well, I mean, listen, it's had its flare-ups, right? We had the uh, the conservative backbencher who wanted to bring forward a motion to debate it and then – you know, there, Stephen Harper basically said that won't see the light of day. <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who said that? Exactly. Right. Stephen Harper. The, and the, he, so the conservative government said we're not going to talk about abortion. Is that right? Actually, several times throughout their mandate. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So it's not an issue in our country. No. Both parties agree that it will not be an issue in our country. The only right? yeah, the only people for whom it's an issue. And you know what? This is interesting because with Andrew Shear's election, I thought that maybe like we were doomed to relive the. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, you know the battles of the past here, and I almost wonder if this isn't like a goading tactic to get Andrew Shear on the record to say that his party is the party for for pro lifers, right? Because that would just doom the conservatives in the in the next election. But it's it's funny, man. Stephen Harper he knew when he wanted to win a majority that it's like we got to stop saying the stuff that keeps us in the cellar, guys. And and one would assume that Dead Shear will be smart enough to look at the numbers and go, yeah, there's no way we're going to win that fight, so why bother? I don't know. I just don't know who's whispering in his ear. Like that's the whole thing to me, right? Is is who do you have to appease to to get the money to to be able to? I mean, the conservatives aren't broke, but who do you have to appease to you know like keep your party, your base in good favor? I I, I just think it's as it's it's foolish at this point in time, and it kills me that the most vocal conservatives. Uh, just don't seem to have uh, the minerals to win. They're not winners. Well, and you know, and like you said, it's it it gets couched in this other issue to the point where I have to, you know, argue with myself about these things. It was the same thing with Bill Twenty Four, right? I I don't disagree that 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 the school should have GSAs. I really have a big issue with schools not sharing information about kids. And whenever you brought that up, you were immediately couched as oh well you don't like gay people you're a you know homophobe and it's like well number one i'm not scared of gay people so homophobe <laughs> is probably the wrong word to use um but and and no i have no problem with gay people at all I, I have a problem with that kind of power in the hands of a government that's known to sort of just make shit up whenever they decide right what's next you know we talked about this on one of the early episodes what if they decide that oh you know some kids their parents react badly when they get a bad report card. So we don't feel we should have to tell you how your kids are doing in school anymore because some kid might get beat up. And even if one kid gets beat up, that's too many, Roger. So, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it becomes, it becomes this catch all where they can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. Right. And while I'm still legally responsible for that child, but now they can keep things from me that I can't know about that child. And I think that that is, uh, is more applicable. And I think that that'll really irritate uh, some people who, you know, have a, a heart for the, for the cause of the, uh, the, you know, the LGBTQ kid. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, I, I remember hearing stories about kids committing suicide over their grades when I was in school. 
And I know that in particularly in certain cultures, uh, there is tremendous pressure put upon kids to, you know, get straight A's. And so, you know, I, I, I would, I bet you that on the numbers, Dave, there are more kids that face the wrath of their parents for getting C's and D's than for, uh, trying to think of a punchline. Cause it was like just the way it was set up. It was set up for some levity. I just couldn't pull There was nothing in the mind. I'm telling you that core sample was empty. <laughs> we'll come back to that one later in the podcast. We'll workshop that one a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about this today. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to come down on the side of like, if you just 100% agree with everything that your side says, I probably don't really want to talk to you anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I get, it gets really old. So on the talkie account on Twitter, we try to follow mostly sort of politically based things or things that will have, you know, some topics, some, some stuff we can generate and talk about, right? It's an easy way to sort of grab some stories and find out how people feel about things. I think it's great. Uh, and a couple of, uh, soccer related things, of course, because, uh, sometimes I, sometimes I forget to change over to my other Twitter account. So, and, uh, you know what? Screw you. Uh, if you're, uh, if you're on the, if you're following talking, you're getting retweets from Arsenal. That's how it goes. Um, but it just drives me crazy because there's, and, and it happens on both sides. I'm not going to pick one side or the other, but it's just the stuff where the soon as one side opens their mouth, the other side's like, how dare they say that? You know, and you're like, you know exactly why they said it because you, your side would have said it too if it was something applicable to your side and your side does it all the time. It just drives me nuts. It's like, even if you were just 90% and 10% to go, you know what? The liberals were right about that. Or, you know what? The conservatives were right about that. If you could just do that 10% of the time, I'm way more likely to listen to anything coming out of your mouth. than if you're a hundred percent, nope, nope, yeah, nope. Your side's always wrong. Nope. Nope. <laughs> can't do it. Nope. Yeah. It's, it's like what we said before, you know, uh, you got to be able to call penalties on your own team, man. It's the only way forward, but whatever can happen. I read this thing today in Bloomberg that uh, the world's economy is set to expand even greater after Trump's tax cuts take hold. And it's just like, wow, I, I'm starting to like this guy. <laughs> I, I felt so awful. I took a shower right <laughs> afterwards. Well, we, we'll talk more about the Trump later when we get to the what you watch it section. Got some choice bits there, but uh, yeah, I mean, not everything the guy does is terrible. Most of the things seem terrible, but uh, it's hard to say. Okay, but this, this kind of is how it sort of ties in with the whole Trudeau thing, right? Because has he made you more hateful? Like, do you, um, do you know what I mean? I think if I'm being completely honest, I think I dislike Morneau more than I dislike Trudeau because Morneau's coming after my money and because he thinks I'm cheating. Right. Because he's called me a cheater. He's called me a, you know, oh, you guys, you are the ones that are trying to take money off this country. Well, he's got a, you know, fucking villa over in France and seven numbered companies. That's, that's the guy I kind of hate right now. See, exactly. Trudeau, Trudeau, I dislike, but I dislike him because he strikes me as being more of a figurehead at this point, right? I don't really get the sense that he actually understands a lot of the stuff he's talking about or that he is a good leader. I think he's a good face. Oh, he's a freaking mannequin. Uh, see, I, I don't know, man. I just, I think it's hilarious that this guy was obviously put in a position of power to benefit others. People like Morneau, you know, and it's, it's like, I, 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 I'll enjoy the fall from grace. Like, I think that when Trudeau is done being the prime minister of Canada, there's going to be a lot of people that just don't talk to him anymore or that maybe they will talk to him 
uh, at parties where other more important people are at the party. Like, what does Trudeau go on to do? Like, he's not going to join a law firm like Chrétien did, or like have some consultancy like Harper's got. Like, what does he? What does he move on to? Like, is he? A, I don't know. I don't want to disparage other people's occupations by making <laughs> suggestions. But no. But my point is, is like this guy, TV is so, host. Yeah, he's so dumb that he's opened up. The, like he thought he could get away with profiteering in government, and. It turns out that they actually there's a pretty short leash on that one. They they catch on to you pretty soon after you come back from that holiday on the Aga Khan's island. So I just this is an this is an America. You can't golf and spend ninety three million dollars without the country getting a little bit upset about you and censoring you for it. So, but my point about Trump, right, is it's like I read that headline today that the economy is you know expanding and this blah blah blah, and I look at my portfolio and I'm like, man, it's been a pretty cracking year so far. This is great stuff. And I look at Netflix and I look at Amazon and I look at Microsoft and I look at Apple, and these big tech companies are at all time highs. And, you know, and Apple's repatriating some money. But anyway, I sort of look at it and I go, look, Trump hasn't made me hate black people or gay people and, or, or uh, Muslim people. And Trump hasn't made me – like there's just all of this stuff that, that um, has not come to pass. But at the same time, there's a lot of benefits that people who are, you know, grinding it out every day are making. And so I sort of look at it and I go, yeah, the guy's a dick, but, you know, and he's kind of incompetent, but he's not my – president <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's uh let's take some of our own medicine here so we just talked about how we you know or i talked about how i dislike people who are 100 percent like nope the other side never does anything good so what's something that either justin trudeau or the liberal government has done that you think is uh that they, you think you would give a thumbs up to okay there's gonna be a right? lot of dead air here but uh... <laughs> But there has to be something. Yeah, sure. Right? There is, yeah, sure. Yeah, give me a minute. Yeah. Have you got something in mind? Um, I'm just trying to think of one as well. There's yeah, old, see, old radio, old radio uh, uh, wisdom here. Don't ask a question unless you're prepared to answer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Well, I would say that I think they did a decent job of spreading the word about the uh, Canada 150 celebrations and making that happen. I'm a little annoyed with uh, you know some of the the bigger expenditures, uh, but I think on the whole they did a good job of making sure that our country was well feted on its 150th birthday. All right. All right. That's good. Um, I'm struggling here and I, w- I want to say it's not because like I don't think there's anything. It's just that I guess I there's just such a long list for me of stuff that stands out that is just intolerable. Because um, <laughs> that's the stuff that comes to mind right away, of course. Yeah, exactly. And it's – it's I mean it's a fog for me, right? It's blocking out the other stuff. And And I'll say this. If it's any consolation, I could give you a list of things that Harper and his government did that I thought were just absolutely distasteful and, and disgraceful um, for the government of Canada to have done. Um, but I mean I'm trying to – like look at the stuff I'm trying to look through. Like even when my favorite musician, Gord Downey, died, I thought that Justin Trudeau handled that one wrong, right? <laughs> Um, but you know, like the whole 50, 50 cabinet, uh, you know, which I thought was entirely sexist, uh, apologizing to absolutely everybody who asks for one saying that we're going to meet every single part of the truth and uh, every single one of the truth and reconciliation commission's, uh, recommendations. I just think this guy's made like so many missteps to be popular that he can effectively govern. Um, Would you say that he's sticking to the 
the path that he's gone down? Would that be a positive maybe? No, I see. And I wouldn't even say that, Dave. I would say that he goes where the wind blows, right? It's like if he thinks that there's a group – like he was at the Stampede, for example. Like what, why are you at the Stampede? Like other than for the photo op. There's literally nobody in this city right now that, that thinks that a, that a visit from you is a good thing. <laughs> but he got told, hey, you got to go to the Stampede and I don't know. Um, Apparently he's going to do a town hall in Edmonton. There, okay, thank you. There, I like that he does town halls uh, because – it's now I'm being a dick again because it shows how vulnerable he is. <laughs> it's hard, isn't this a hard game, Roger? It is a hard you know, game. Yeah. Look, I'll tell you what, I'll do my homework and I'll make sure that if that by episode 55, okay, so I'm taking two weeks on this. <laughs> but like, you know, I, I, re- I read this headline today that Germany has decided they're going to suspend arms sales to, um, to Saudi Arabia, right? And it's a CBC headline. So then naturally it, it follows that, um, they expect pressure on Trudeau to do the same. So, What's Trudeau supposed to do? Like he was talking out of both sides of his mouth when he was talking about the the deal with uh, with the kingdom, where they were sending you know Canadian fighting vehicles over there, which are weapons that often get used against innocent people in a country like that. But then the second thing was that um, he he was going on and on about feminism and what a great feminist that he is. And so, how could you be? Like it's you're doing business and supplying armaments to probably the most oppressive and sexist regime on the planet. Um, and, and I'm not including, um, ISIS cause I don't consider them a regime or didn't at the time. Anyway, they were just kind of like this ragtag bunch of lady rapers. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, man, it's, it's pretty difficult for me to find an instance where I think Trudeau got something right. Well, fair enough. Um, you got your two weeks. Um, like I said, you know, you're, I think you're capable of finding something. Uh, but it's, you know, at the same time, it's fair to say that you dislike most of what he does. You're also not online tweeting about it constantly. And every time he opens his mouth, you're not like, yeah, screw you. You know, like the, the tweeters we were talking about last week on both, you know, Notley and, and Jason Kenny's site. See it all the time. Even the MPs get a little bit like, ugh. What's his name? The PM's, uh, staff guy there. Butts. Uh, yeah, Gerald Butts. Gerald Ger- Butts, Gerard, he's Gerard, Gerald Butts, yeah. he's the worst man. Just constantly like you know chipping at the other side, and it's like you don't need to do that. I find that so amazing when the party in power starts like, oh yeah, look what those guys are doing. Aren't they terrible? It's such a sign of weakness to me, right? Like every time the NDP goes, you guys look what Jason Kenney's going to do. It just all it says to me in parentheses is we're so scared of losing that we're on the defense right now. Mm-hmm. We're the party in power. We get to say whatever we want, whenever we want. And the only thing we can think to do is, is take shots at the other guy because we're so worried that he's going to win, that this is how we're going to go about doing it. Not like, here's what we're doing. Look what we're up to. It's like, did you hear what he said? Oh, you don't want to vote for him. You know, it's weakness. Um, I just Googled good things Trudeau has done. <laughs> Alexa, what has Trudeau done that's good? <laughs> so the first uh, the first thing is is this website called uh, mtlblog.com, Montreal blog, right? And um, this is this is just so indicative of something. So the headline on this article, Dave, and I'm just going to give it to you as it comes here. Okay, the headline is 14 things Justin Trudeau has done right so far as prime minister. Uh, there's no date on it, so I could check the code to find out when it was published, but. 
Uh, it's over a year ago. Anyway, the first thing, Justin Trudeau is the picture-perfect prime minister Canada didn't even know it needed. Seriously, Jay True has made and continues to make Canada look better than ever. That's the first thing. So like on a Google search of good things that Justin Trudeau has done, the first hit and the first item on the list is from some fanboy named Michael Dalamonte who says, oh, he just sees – look look how good he looks. Like, Jay True. He's, he's the best. We're besties. <laughs> how come no one ever called Harper Sharper <laughs> or the sharp one, his sharpness? <laughs> Missed opportunity. Oh, man. So, okay, give me the two weeks, Dave. I'll, I'll come up with something. And I, and I legitimately will. Um, on this list, by the way, is stopping missile strikes against ISIS. Against ISIS? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoa. What, like yeah. he doesn't want people to – this guy doesn't want people to attack ISIS with missiles or – That's what this Montreal blog says. It was a good thing uh, that he put a stop on all Canadian airstrikes on ISIS targets. I think that was one of those things where it's just like whatever the conservatives are going to do, we're going to do the opposite. They're killing know, terrorists. We're not going to kill them. They're going to keep terrorists out of Canada. We're going to let them back in. <laughs> All right. Give me two weeks. I'll come up with something. National Talkie League, the only podcast that matters. All right. So this past Friday, I was sitting at my desk and I was waiting for my day to be. You ever have one of those days that just never ends? You check the, the clock and it's five minutes after one. You wait about two and a half hours. You check the clock and it's 10 minutes after one. <laughs> We've all been there, so I thought, okay, let's let's go and uh, and get some chatter going on the on the Facebook page. So I asked the BTS. I even just I just call them BTS now, because if you know what it means, you know what it means. If you don't, who cares? So BTS, hit us with some controversial opinions. What issue do you stand alone on? What say you that will make those around you wide-eyed and ready to argue? And I have to say, before we get into these. Then our man Rob Graham knocked the shit out of the park almost right away to the point where I wanted to change what the game was because it was so, so very good. Um, so so this is the kind of stuff where you're like, you know, you know that other people disagree with you, uh, but you still, you know, it's what you believe, right? And it doesn't have to be – we're not – it doesn't have to be big issue stuff. We're not talking, you know – you know, religion or things like that, but it, it could be anything, right? It could be a movie opinion, it could be whatever. Anyways, should I start with Rob's or should I leave his till the end? No, oh, you, you, you've, you've got to start, with oh. start, open up with your, your best. It's, it's just because of the way he did it is so like 2018 internet that I, I just, I actually laughed out loud literally. Uh, so Rob was the second person to the, the post and he said, celery is trash and those who eat it are too. I got to agree with Rob on this one. And actually, I would like to tag team wrestle uh, on his team with anybody who disagrees with him. I, you know, we would be the anti-celery warriors <laughs> and we would uh, we would dress up as uh, ranch dressing and peanut butter and we would go nuts <laughs> and we would beat up anybody. We'd take on all comers. We'd be, you know, world tag team champions. I just I love this one so much because it's like it's like a subject that most people don't give a crap about. But not only does he call it trash, but he's like, and screw you if you like it on top of that. <laughs> but I mean, but on the topic of celery here, though, have you met people that like celery? Like that, like, has it ever come up that, you know, oh, yeah, celery is my favorite vegetable? Uh, I've never met anyone who's my favorite. My wife hates it. She won't go near it. I don't mind it. 
but I won't. I wouldn't put it in my pantheon of vegetables by any stretch. Yeah, because there's nothing to it. It's it's the only good thing about celery. The reason people like it is because it's cr- crispy, right? Mm. But it, it's like it's crispy with hair, and it's right or like it's shaped such that you can put other tastier foods inside of it. Right, which is no way to to go through life, you know. Like you don't want to be a vehicle for something. You want to have your own, like the like. It's it's the, the the best thing about celery is that it's spoon shaped, is what you're saying. It's, it's the Robin to peanut butter's Batman. Voila, well put. But yeah, nobody nobody legitimately likes celery. <laughs> it's so fibrous. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like eighty percent dental floss. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So celery's bullshit, by the way. That's my second favorite t-shirt of this episode. <laughs> All right. So Julie chimed in. She was the first to the the mark. And what I actually I, what I think what I liked about this is I think when people comment on the talkie page, like other people can see what you've commented. Like your other Facebook friends can it'll say like Julie commented on the National Talkie League and it'll show what she commented. Cause it seems like her friends started getting into it with her. Uh so she said uh, Barbra Streisand's completely overrated. Star Wars sucks. Disney is hell on earth. And she was just going, trying to just, you know, just blanket, blanket bomb this thing. And then her this, friends started this, getting on her a little bit. <laughs> no, I was just going to say this, this is amazing. Cause it's like one comment that, that indicates beyond the shadow of a doubt that Julie is a really fun lady to be at the pub with. <laughs> It seems that way, I would say. I was listening to Barbara Streisand sing Moon River the other night. Uh, it was on the uh, Sinatra channel on Sirius uh, Satellite Radio or whatever. And um, are you familiar with the song Moon River? I am. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Are you – and like how familiar with it? Do you think you could sing it? Uh, I could sing some of it. Okay. Because it's basically like one verse repeated, right? It's the wider than a mile – yeah, uh, crossing like in style two, someday. Yeah, two drifters off to see the world. There's such a lot of world to see. You heartbreaker, dream maker, heartbreaker. Wherever you're going, I'm going to. So it's basically the same verse sung two times, right? Mm-hmm. And like you know, it's it's a nice, it's a sentimental song. Whatever. Everybody's done it because it's such an easy song to sing, and you can just see Barbara Streisand like in the studio there. She's done it once, and I swear this is like one of those songs that they needed to, you know. Well, we still got another you know, eight minutes left on the LP, Babs. Uh, let's do another one in there. Uh, and then he called up like Moon River because it was already programmed into the Casio, right? And then he's got Barbara Streisand like handed her the the sheet music and. You can tell like halfway through the song, the producer's just in her ear. Uh, okay, Barb, and then you're just going to repeat that two more times. And so she just is like <laughs> – is vamping on it now because the first verse is like, moon river, wider than a mile. And then the second verse, she's like, moon river. <laughs> she's just like really giving her like, – like she's being spread-eagled between four motorcycles as they try to rip her apart while she sings. I uh, yeah I've never been a big uh, Streisand fan. She's in that sort of that that Liza Minnelli camp for me. That big kind of crazy over the top, a little bit before my time kind of. Liza Minnelli freaks me out. I just I, like Judy Garland's daughter. What's what what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> but how do you feel about Bette Midler? Uh, I don't dislike Bette Midler. I don't think about her a whole lot. She's got a couple nice songs. 
I've got him away. I love Bette Midler. Yeah, I totally. Yeah, I I want to see her perform in Vegas. There was a stint. I think she filled in like Celine Dion when Celine Dion goes on holidays. This is how you know the world hates Celine Dion, by the way, or or is going to be okay if she leaves. When she goes on holidays, Elton John takes over, <laughs> or like Bette Midler takes over. Like Celine Dion can't take enough holidays. But no, I, I saw that one time and I was like, oh man, it's too bad I'm broke. I'd really go down and see that show. <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep moving here. Uh, so David says, is Donald Trump really that bad? Flame suit on. That, that, I love that's it. an easy one, right? It's a big old fastball up the middle. Uh, and then Laura. Speaking of fastballs up the middle, the first time I saw David Prince made that comment, I thought it said David Price, the uh, <laughs> the Red Sox pitcher. <laughs> hey, yeah, neat. Uh, and then Laura, of course, to, tops that by by uh, posting a picture of, I'm assuming it's her, but I don't know, someone's Make America Great Again hat. So someone actually bought the hat. Uh, but, you know, same same general concept there. Uh, Eric chimed in with uh, Jack White sucks. Yeah. I think it's perfectly acceptable for me to assess a penalty at this point in time to Eric for that slanderous remark. <laughs> Well, I, you know what? I'm not going to completely join you on there. Uh, the man has talents. However, uh, and, uh, you know, you know that I have a talent for taking any topic of conversation and being able to immediately switch it over to James Bond. Uh, but, but Jack White and Alicia Keys did a theme song for, uh, Quantum of Solace and it was fucking terrible. Uh, yeah. so, so I might have to go with Eric from that particular perspective. Yeah, that was a pretty bad one, actually. There's no, uh, there's no disputing that. <laughs> you just reminded me, by the way, that Moon River. Uh, this is what I was thinking of when I was listening to Streisand. Sorry, that. did you say Moonraker? Moonraker, Moonraker. <laughs> oh man, it's like <clears throat> this is progressing nicely. I want to do Moon River to, with the lyrics of Goldfinger. And so I don't know what would be better, singing Goldfinger to Moon River or singing Moon River to Goldfinger. Oh, and I want to try both. That Yeah, that's interesting. That might be fun. All right. Maybe we'll have to get prepare that for the next – Maybe episode. we should make, make sure there's karaoke when we do our live show. Maybe you're, on your eight-hour plane flight, you can uh, work that one out to the chagrin of anyone <laughs> sitting near you. Uh, what else we got here? Brian says, I'd rather have four more years of Rachel Notley than four of Jason Kenney. See, I love this comment, by the way, because that's a very sensitive comment, right? Like, here's a guy who knows, like, I, I don't know, I'm not trying to paint Brian with a brush here, but I think he's a bit more of a conservative guy in that he thinks the economy is important and that, you know, uh, minding the purse strings matters. Um, and he's also probably, you know, in my car uh, of people who don't allow the government to make them feel or hate other people. So, but he's... Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting his concern, and you know I get it. I I I get it. I've, I got my finger on that pulse. I don't know if I agree, but I get it. So then, if the question was, would you rather have four more four more years of the NDP or four years of the UCP, taking those two leaders out of the equation, I wonder whether that answer is the same. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly some variables there. Um, Anyways, sorry, we don't need yeah. to get back into the politics right at the moment <laughs> because Richard. Comes up with a, with yet another uh, triple in the park triple. Wait, is there anything else? <laughs> there's no out of the park triple. There's no out of the park triple. Yeah, there's a ground rule double though. 
This is more of a ground rule. Is this a ground? Okay, actually, let's do that. Yeah. yeah uh, call him out on appeal. And Richard says, uh, pineapple does go on pizza. And then Julie says, yeah, ham and pineapple pizza is delicious. I don't understand that hate. And nor do I. I'm a big fan of pineapple in all shapes and forms and also in pizza. Yeah, I'd expect that from you and your tiki loving lifestyle. It's it's probably my second or maybe my third favorite fruit to put on a, a pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, mango is also pretty good on a pizza. And uh, a tomato, being a fruit as well, is very good on, on pizza. All right. On a technicality, I'm not going to enter this argument because uh, I would lose on the tomato ruling. But uh, yeah, do you ever have that hamburger, the teriyaki burger with like the onion slice or the not onion, the pineapple slice on it? Oh yeah, baby. You're you're a fan. Oh of god, that, I love that's like my favorite hamburger, the the bonsai I, burger at Red Robin. And, and now you can, every time I see, you can get the teriyaki burger at Carl's Jr. Now, by the way, it's very similar. Sorry, go ahead. Well, it's just like every time I see that, I'm like, why don't you just have dessert? Like that's what you're going for there. <laughs> no, it's got the teriyaki, which is a bit salty. You get a bit of that sweet going on with the pineapple. Isn't teriyaki essentially like pancake syrup with a tablespoon of salt? <laughs> yeah, I might not be wrong about that. Right. So the the, ter- the teriyaki burger, like I've had it before. I just don't think it's what beef is supposed to taste like. I think that the cow is probably looking at that going, you know, I'm okay. Just try me. Try me on. It's one of those rare burgers and you may be right because it's one of those rare burgers where you could have the chicken version of it and it's pretty much the same thing. I want to get uh, – yeah, exactly, right? In, in fact, I might argue it's better. Depends on how the anyway. chicken's cooked, but yeah, okay. <laughs> medium rare? I'll have the chicken burger uh, medium well, please. <laughs> That's always my thing when I order like the chicken sandwich. Like uh, medium, I just toss that in and then like you see them start to write it. Like, oh, wait a second, you hooligan. <laughs> Not falling for that one again. You, Diarrhea everywhere. You rapscallion. I like to ask uh, when I go for chicken wings. I think you've seen me do this, but I like to. I just say, "Well, I'll have a pound of wings," and then they say, "What kind would you like?" And I say, "Chicken is fine." I think. Yes, you're such a delight to go out with and uh, <laughs> to speak to waitresses and waiters. <laughs> you're gonna earn that tip. If I'm making that tip, you're earning it. National Talkie League, yippee ki motherfucker. So, Dave, I know you know that when I put the thing on Facebook about not driving your kid to school, I know you know that I only did that because someone blocked my neighbor's driveway and it pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, you know, if it was an opinion article written by Roger Kincaid, it would be called Stop Parking in Front of My Goddamn House. Well, so there's – it's it's funny, right? Because like – I've given the backstory on this a bunch of times, but I had a car accident in front of my house. I backed into somebody's vehicle because of the way everything was parked. I didn't I, – I messed up. Like I screwed up. And anyway, it's just sort of like one of these things where, um, you know, had people not been parked within eight inches of either side of my driveway, I might have had more room to maneuver and things would have gone a little more hunky-dory. But I digress. I hit a car. Thank God I didn't hit a kid, right? Um but the, this, I found this article, this uh, opinion piece in the Star that talked about this little girl who got pinned, tragically killed. Right, she was pinned between uh, two vehicles. I think it's one of these accidents where the car slipped into gear, an unintended vehicle slipped into gear, or unintended vehicle accidentally pinned her. Anyway, um, so the headline for the opinion piece is "Stop driving children to school." It could be a lifesaver. I think that that's one of those super clickbaity uh, headlines that misrepresents what the piece is all about. But 
I would I don't think it's a terribly controversial statement to say that um, the more cars there are in a playground zone or a school zone, the more likely it is that a child is going to get hurt. And so that's kind of like where I approach this from basically saying, look, if you've got these great big yellow safety wagons that are going to bring them in 30, 40, 50 kids at a time, I think that's preferable even at 45 minutes per commute than having every single mom and dad and their, uh, you know, their Audi SUV, not to pick on the Audi SUV guys, uh, you know, bringing their kids in, into the school. That's all. Well, and fair enough. Uh, and I would come at this from a completely different angle, being that I have kids and then have to deal with getting them to the school. Uh, now, my kids happen to live fairly close to their school, so there's busing isn't an issue. And when it's nice out, uh, tend to walk. Uh, a lot of times don't have time to do that. It's real world, right? Got to get there, running late, kid got up late, got to get him to school in a hurry. So the driving happens from time to time. And absolutely, I agree with you. It's better that everybody's safe. I don't know what the right answer to this one. See, because my immediate go-to is, well, if you have to bus your kids 45 minutes to school, there should be a school closer to Yeah, for kid. sure. Right? And so that's a whole other issue now we're getting into talking about how are we going to spend our public funds? You know, because I don't think putting a seven-year-old on a bus for 45 minutes each way every day is a good idea either. Yeah. No, I listen, I agree with that. Um, I, I think that – that if I could really just sort of have my way entirely, right? If I could make the world my perfect world here, what I would do is I would tell the Board of Education that you've got a monstrous property here. Make like a nice little loop where parents can go in and drop their kids off and then police it, right? Like don't actually get a cop, but, you know, do something that's going to help alleviate the traffic jam and, and, and keep the, the, the trains moving on time, if you will. But it just seems so silly to me that, you know, we, you know, it's a residential street and, Snow clearing in, in the residential neighborhoods isn't, you know, terribly efficient. So that creates some problems and whatnot. And then you've got all these parents, um, none of whom would dare carpool, like none of whom would dare pick up two or three or four kids, only their, you know, little angel. Uh, and it's just like, you know, you don't have to look at it for more than a week to go, okay, this is a problem. So how can we repurpose some of this? expanse that would make like farmers, you know, jizz in their pants if they could have it. Like how can we repurpose some of this and make a, a drop-off place for for everybody? But they don't do that. Yeah, no, that's a fabulous idea. Uh, I've said the same thing about our school. So and, – and where you are, you're like a block off the main road. Right. The school that you're talking about is a block off the main drive. Our schools are right on for our community what the main drive right. is. And so not only that, you have everybody trying to get through, trying to get to work. Uh, and when it snows, there's nowhere to park. And so now everybody's parking. It doesn't matter if you're across the street from the school. You could be two blocks away from the school and you're getting parked in front of, right? That's just how it goes. But you're absolutely right. If they had pushed the school back into the lot a little further and put in a loop of some kind, yeah, it might take a few more minutes to get everybody through the loop, but probably a lot safer than having people crossing. And, you know, in winter especially, right, this time of year, it's dark in the morning, yeah. right? And the kids aren't always that visible. And so, yeah, it can certainly be scary. I mean, having said that, that article struck me as, oh, uh, something terrible happened and I felt really bad about it. So I'm going to write an article that's telling everyone to change the way they do things without a really good solution in mind right. just to make myself feel better. But I mean, you're right. Uh, so what is the solution? I don't know. I think your loop idea is a good one. It's probably not going to work for every property, but where possible, I think it's a fantastic idea. Uh, yeah, we're letting your kids walk to school. Of course, on the page, we got into a discussion about, you know, the modern life. Do you want your kid walking to school by themselves? And 
you know, and then uh, how safe is that? And is the media hyping up how bad things are? And it's probably pretty safe. Oh, totally you know, safe. you and I, <laughs> you and I walked to school all the time. I don't think there was any, you know, I mean, I didn't know you then, but I'm going to assume you walked back and forth from I school. I tried to get a ride. It was just down the street. It was less than half a block away from my house. I tried to get a ride as often <laughs> as I could. Um, no, you know, I, like I, yeah, I don't want to get into the relative safety of walking to school. I think, you know, where I come down on that one. The the funny thing though, about the, the, like you made this great point, right? That this, this is a tragedy. It's a one-off basically. If this thing was happening every week, you wouldn't have opinion columns about it. You would have like politicians losing their jobs about it. Um, but no, it is, this is what op-ed pages do, right? They take, uh, you know, a, a micro, like a moment in time and they turn it into a, a huge problem that we all have to hopefully engage in and, and discuss. Um, my kind of spin though is more that, um, the, the, the situation that I'm talking about, which is one where, look, I believe that the, it's creating an unsafe environment for these kids. And, uh, I know that it's creating a nuisance for the people that live on the block. But what's strange to me is that I have yet to talk to a parent that's causing the problem uh, who feels that, yeah, it is a problem. Well, yeah. So I think here's the other thing, the, the perspective difference is that you every day see this happen. You deal with this every single day because you're like – you're literally across the street from the main door of the school pretty much. Yep. yep. Right? So from the perspective of the parent – they're stopping, they're dropping their kid off. It takes two minutes. It's two minutes out of their day that they have to deal with that situation, right? right? You deal with it for an hour, hour and a half, whatever that drop-off period is, maybe an hour, 45 minutes. I don't know what it is, but you deal with that twice a day for that length of time if you happen to be around and trying to park or trying to go somewhere or even just maybe being woken up or maybe just dealing with people coming and going and your street's 10 times busier than it is the rest of the day. So you deal with it a disproportionate amount of time compared to the people who are like, oh, there's a go, drop my kid off. It was a very brief thing that happened and now I'm on my way to work and here's the rest of my day, right? So that's part of it, I yep, think, for too. Sure. Yeah, yeah, no, listen. Um, yeah, sorry, I, just, I agree. But yeah, that. I mean, I guess if you're, you know, in the right state of mind and if you're, if you approach it in the right way, you could certainly start talking to some of these parents. The problem is, is you can, as soon as you talk to those three parents that have been parking right in front of your house and they're like, oh, you know what? You're absolutely right. Really sorry. We'll try really hard not to park in front of your house. First of all, they're probably thinking, I'm only going to be there two minutes. So whatever, I'm going to be gone in two minutes because I've thought that myself. I never block anyone's driveway, but sometimes you get a little close, like you said. Um, but the problem is as soon as you convince those three parents and they're like, yeah, I'm never going to park in front of Roger's house again. Guess yeah. what? Hey, there's some free spots in front of Roger's house for the other parents to take. <laughs> No, of course. Or you get the school to make an announcement or something, yeah, well, right? Like, and now you're that guy. You got to go to the school and say, you quit parking for anybody else. Well, you know, look, I'm the – guaranteed it's a waterfall, right? You can't shut the water off. But, the you know, we have gone to the school and said, look, I mean, I got a disabled uh, – a woman with a disabled kid who lives a couple doors down. I got a new mother with two young babies that lives next to me. And it's like, don't block their driveway. It's like, you know, they kind of have some different – <laughs> you know, like block my driveway. I like that's the best one on the whole street to block, but it's it causes problems, like legitimate problems um, for for other people that live on the street. So, like a group of us kind of got together and went over to the principal and said, "Look, you, like just do something, make an announcement." But, but it, you know, these people don't care, right? And and it's human nature; it's not their problem, and they're they're just not going to care about it. But 
I don't know. It's just kind of funny to me because you know when the serial killer like story happens and they arrest the guy and then you've got the guy on the street who's like, oh, you know, he was the nicest guy. <laughs> Who'd have known? He was, he was, well, I thought he was a great guy. I would drink beer with him. I'm going to be the guy on the news going like, oh, I'm not surprised. It's like just a matter of time before one of these kids got squashed like a melon. Like that's that's the guy that I'm going to be. Everyone else is going to be like, oh, right. God, it's a tragedy. And I'll be sitting there going, matter of time, the way these parents behave. <laughs> See, now I'm trying to solve your problem somehow. Have you tried traffic codes? You know what? No, because I think that's I think that's illegal, and, 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 right? <laughs> you shouldn't have to do that. But have you tried? Because that might be the answer, right? Because there, there wouldn't be – if they're coming out vertically from their spots, there would be enough room for them to get out but not enough room for a car to park between right. the Right. So you know those slow children playing turtles that you can buy at Toys R Us? I think those should be banned. Yes. I think that those are illegal. <laughs> I think that they're horrible. Well, fair enough. But in your case, on your street, it's not like people are going to be driving in that lane anyway. Right. So they're not a hazard to traffic. All I want it's it'd be this it'd be the same. Sorry, it would be the same if you decided to put your your uh, your garbage bins out front, right? I think you have an alley, so you would put yours out right. back. But if you had front pickup, you would put your bins out there. That's what you'd be doing already. I guarantee oh, it. You'd have thought, aha, if I put my traffic bins out, no one can park where the traffic, traffic bins are. I like that. Or the, sorry. No, I like that. I like that. I like the new bins. nomenclature. Um, so, no, here's, this is literally all I want, Dave. All I want is for a bylaw officer to be at, uh, on our street every day at 2.30, just because of the fundraising opportunity, right? If the city's broke, I think that they could do a lot of taking money from people who really don't give a shit. And, you know, get them, I think it'd be like 70 bucks at a time or whatever it is, but go hand out the fines, ticket these people, and then take the burden off the small businesses that are trying to employ people and cope with the minimum wage. All right. So if you're a bylaw, uh, traffic enforcement or parking person listening to the pod, you drop us a mail. Roger will give you the, uh, the location. Yeah. can make some it- money. I actually know someone who works at Calgary Parking Authority. Do you yeah, want me to, I, to get the word I do. in there for Look, you? Honestly, if I, it almost makes me want to get a job with the Calgary Parking Authority just because <laughs> like I know how much – like I see it. I look at this – I see the dollar value on my street every day and I just sort of think <laughs> like I know I'm not alone in this. I hear other people complain about this too but damn it, man. Like we have these bylaws and – Nobody wants to enforce them. Mike uh, Morrison is is going nuts w- wishing that the bylaw for the snow removal on sidewalks would be enforced, but no one will do it. And it, I just see that and it's like – I'm not saying that they should be you know handing out chicken shit jaywalking tickets or whatever, but damn it, man. Like take the money out of the people who are flagrantly disrespecting the way of life in this town instead of the lady that opened up a restaurant and is now has to pay an extra 10 grand every new year's day stop taking the money out of her watch out watch out watch out watching you're watching tv all right so the question that johannes posed is what are you watching he used a bit more of the slang in the vernacular, but that's what he wanted to know. And so uh, I got a couple things that I've been watching. So I have the Crave TV because I need all the channels. I need all the new shows that I can get my hands on. And I like the Letter Kenny. And that's, I think, the only way you can get Letter Kenny is, is Crave. Um, and so uh, this week, Crave put up the new season of Broad City. Are you familiar with Broad City, Roger? No, but... 
I'm guessing it's not about what I want it to be about. Tell me what you want it to be about. I just want it to be about like women, like dames in the 1940s who are going around <laughs> selling cigarettes and wearing and taking their gloves off while they cross their legs. Interesting. Well, I'm sadly, it's not exactly that. It's not about that. Uh, so, so Broad City is a uh, a modern day show set in New York City, a Broad City, and it features uh, two very funny women, uh, Alana Glazer and Abby. I can't remember her last name. Hoffman, I want to say. Uh, that can't be right, can it? <laughs> Abby Hoffman. <laughs> Uh, maybe it is. Who knows? Anyways, uh, they're very, very funny women, and they uh, they have a show that's just basically about the two of them and sort of the misadventures they get into in New York City. Uh, it's very graphic, very in-your-face, very unapologetic, gets into all kinds of issues. Uh, really worth a watch. Very, very funny show. Uh, Hannibal Burris is on there sometimes. I'm not a big fan of his stand-up. He's very funny on the show. A very funny character. I'm looking it up right now just to oh, see. Oh, okay. That's what it. I yeah, thought sorry. you might be yeah. doing. Yeah. So they just dropped the fourth season of that. Anyways, if you're looking for a show to watch, a, a comedy show, definitely not one to have uh, on with the kids around. Uh, this season, uh, uh, RuPaul was on for a few episodes as the manager of a sort of a snobby uh, sushi place where the one of the characters got hired only because she was being very bitchy. And the second she stopped being bitchy, they didn't want her anymore. And that just made her mad. And then <laughs> they wanted her back again. So. It's uh, yeah. Uh, you're right. Alana Glazer and Abby Jacobson. Jacobson. That's the name I was looking for. Not now, often. Do they come from some um, troop in New York, like Upright Citizens Brigade or something? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, they could be UCB or uh, probably not Groundlings or anything. I think that's LA. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're great. Uh, you might recognize. Uh, you might recognize them. They've been in a couple others things and stuff i see them here and there but uh but worth it worth a watch watch an episode or two and see what you think they it's uh i think you might dig it it's got a good pedigree i'm just looking at the wikipedia page it says yeah they definitely took uh courses at upright citizens brigade and then um amy poehler became aware of of their series they did their own web series on youtube and then amy poehler found out about it and then mentored glazer and jacobson um to turn it into a tv show yeah it's fantastic actually yeah last season uh, they went to, uh, one of the episodes there. So they're very sort of modern, you know, feminist New York women. And so they decided to go and volunteer for uh, Hillary, Cl- Hillary Clinton's campaign. Right. And so Hillary Clinton's actually in the episode, which is kind of amazing, uh, for a show that's, although it's, it's very New York. So in that way, it's not surprising, but, uh, but yeah, it might be worth a watch. The other show that I was watching that I think you would probably enjoy a lot more than that one. Uh, is a new Netflix series that's just popped up. There's only one episode so far, and it's called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. I'm saving it. <laughs> it's I'm a good one. It. Who's on? Is, uh, is Obama the first one? Who's the first? Yeah. One? So, so this is uh, this is David Letterman back uh, for his first sort of series, I guess, since being fired. Oh, so many years <laughs> yeah, ago. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he, which he mentions no less than like four times in the first minute and a half. Uh, so I, I like you, I was thinking about saving it. I flipped it on. I watched about two minutes and went, Oh, I need to save this. My wife's going to want to see this and I don't want to watch an hour long interview twice. So, uh, so I turned it off, but, uh, very charming, very funny stuff. David Letterman being David Letterman. Uh, if you haven't seen him in a while, uh, it'll be a bit of a shock to you. He's, uh, he's a bit more, uh, Moses looking than he used to be. Got a yeah. giant flowing white beard now. 
Actually, Obama at one point makes fun of him and asks him, like, do you have a staff back there somewhere? Like a giant <laughs> staff you can walk around with? So this friend of mine was on uh, – he was a TV news anchor for a long time in both Canada and the States. And uh, he still is. He, he Sorry, I shouldn't say was. He still is. But um, he talks about how, like, they focus grouped everything about him. And it was, like, the glasses and the, you know, the hair color. And, like, they had he, – he tells this story about how they put up these nine pictures of him on – on like a board. Right. And each nine had something different about it. So they just took like the same photograph of him and then they augmented it, like the hair color a bit, the glasses a bit, like they just changed each of these subtly. And then they pointed at one and they said, this is the optimal you. This is the one that focus groups respond the best to. And he just looked at it and he was just like, holy fuck. (laughs) Like, and so I imagine that Letterman's got some of that too, right? Where he had to like, cause have you ever seen behind the scenes stuff of Letterman? I don't know if I have. I mean, I, I remember Letterman from the eighties, but I have, I, I don't know. I've seen anything on him too much. There's he, I swear, man, he's like in the writer's room wearing Crocs and basketball shorts and like a t-shirt. And like, he's just like, that's him. That's who he was. Right. But then on TV every night, best dressed man in New York and you know, the hair is perfect and he's looking, he's looking like Dave and he looked the same pretty much the entire time he was at CBS. So I don't know, man. I imagine for him to step out onto the stage looking like he does in this show, I imagine that's incredibly liberating for him. (laughs) I mean, he's still wearing a suit. Yeah, but he's not wearing a sheared face. Yeah. Yeah. So the interesting thing, so right off the top, he's talking to the crowd and he's like, does anyone know who who's going to be interviewed here today? And a couple people kind of put up their hand and say they think they know. And he calls one of the guys over to the side of the stage and the guy whispers in his ear. He's like, he's like, it's William Jefferson Clinton, which is weird that he'd say all three names. But right. uh, and he's like, yeah, OK, good. And then and then he brings Obama out and the crowd just loses it. So, the, you know, the, the, the sort of, you know, uh, emotional part of me was like, oh, my God, like, can you imagine being in that room? And then all of a sudden it's like, holy fuck, it's Obama. Right. But then part of me is like. There's got to be some kind of security. Like those guys probably went through metal detectors and shit like that. You you probably had to know something was up, wouldn't you think? Well, now hang on a second, because yes, I agree. But I wonder how normal it is to go through metal detectors and see a lot of security at an at a venue in New York. I presume this was filmed in New York. Yeah, I think it's actually on one of the campuses. Uh, I don't know which university, but I think it's actually on a university campus. Okay. They, in the theater that they've filmed it. Yeah. So, I mean, I just kind of assume that it's like, you know, I go to a baseball game. There's a huge lineup and every lady has to have her purse rummaged through. So, you know, that's just part of life now. I don't know. <laughs> well, and so it's great. So Obama comes out and they're bantering back and forth a little bit. And so you get to see the sort of, you know, non-presidential Obama, although, you know, it's not like he's like, yeah, fucking Trump, man. You know, it's, you're not getting any of that kind of stuff. Right. He's still the guy that you know him to be. So he's very gracious and he's very, you know, measured in what he says and he's taking lots of time not to offend anyone. And, you know, he bags on himself quite a bit, which is very funny uh, talking about their kids, both him and Letterman start talking about their kids and what it's like to have kids that are growing up. And so it's really, it's very interesting uh, interview from that perspective. There's a lot of time spent talking about Selma and the March at Selma. And uh, um, I can't remember the name of the Congressman. I want to say Joe Lewis, but I don't know if that's right or not. Boxer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, the old the old timey boxer. Right. Uh, anyways, he talks to one of the uh, the senators who actually was involved in the march, right? Oh, who okay. actually marched, and he was one of the guys right up front. Basically, got kind of bowled over by the cops right away, and then so and Obama talks about that, and it was interesting because they show. Uh, I guess the 50th anniversary the, uh, that Obama was there and, and, and did a speech and uh, they don't mention it in this clip cause it's not about that. But when they pan over the, the people sitting on the stage, there's only six or seven people sitting on the stage. One of them was George Bush. Uh, okay. Yeah. And then when they do the March, they're all kind of, you know, linked arms. They've closed the bridge obviously. And so everybody's just marching across as a group. George Bush is in there too. And I was like, see, that's what it used to be. Like, you know, people used to make fun of the side they didn't like, but those guys kind of still, you know, oh, they, when they knew something was right, they did still work together. And I'm not seeing Trump getting involved in that kind of shit anytime soon. Yeah. And that's, was, that's really interesting. Like the living presidents is like a club and they, yeah, and yeah, yeah. they do work together, right? Yeah. Like Saturday Night Live used to make fun of them. They, 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 it was like this, the, the Justice League of ex-presidents right. or something like that. <laughs> but it's true. And they do seem to kind of, they all seem to kind of agree. And I think it's part of the whole, you know, Trump being the outsider thing that they all sort of jumped up and went, look, you know, we got still have to, a, a duty to the country here. We still have to kind of weigh in and go, mm, this shit's not okay, you guys. <laughs> you know? It's interesting because when, when, uh, when George Bush, when H... H W sorry, when W was in power, you know, Oh, so, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Every, everybody on the left was like, Oh my fuck God, this guy's the worst. Absolutely. The worst. Right. Well, ha ha ha. Too bad for you. Um, and now <laughs> he's sort of looked at as like, okay, well, yeah, he was kind of dumb, but he wasn't crazy at least. Right. Uh, and it's really interesting, you know, I mean, editorializing aside, it's really interesting to hear Obama uh, talk to David Letterman and do an interview that's about an hour long and speak, you know, with, with intelligence and poise and grace about all these different things. And then think, what would this interview look like if Trump was here, you know? And it just, it just, it just highlights that chasm of difference. Right. Huh. I wonder, um, surely Trump's been on Letterman. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I wonder, it'd be interesting to go back and watch those tapes. Yeah, but I mean, that, you're, talk, you're talking like a two-minute, like, oh, so what's going on with your hotels now, right? Right, yeah. And maybe once or twice during the political campaign, but probably never about, you know, tell me about uh, what, uh, you know, this this was like for you. What is it like to go back to regular life after, you know? I wonder if anybody will want to interview Donald Trump after he's done because of how he's vilified the press. Yeah, I can't see them being real eager to. Nobody seems to like the guy, you know? Yeah. Um. I'm watching – you know what I just finished watching was The Crown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, Does that, I hear good things about The Crown. It's phenomenal. I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's it's outstanding. Uh, and now I'm watching Peaky Blinders. So between The Crown, Downton Abbey, and Peaky Blinders, these are three of my favorite uh, shows. And I can't get enough of this British stuff. You're going to be a right Brit in a minute then, it's, governor. I, I tell you what The Crown did though. It, it made me appreciate the monarchy a lot more. Which is weird because wow. like I wouldn't come to say that I'm a monarchist, but it, but at least it kind of – because it paints them in a very human light, right? Like particularly mm – -hmm. well, no, both of them, him and her. But um, yeah, it makes them seem very, very human and relatable. And I just kind of thought that was like, okay, cool. They're makes – you know, they're not common, but they're a lot less uh, divine, right? 
It's interesting. I was just thinking uh, our buddy Trey K there. Uh, so on his Facebook page, he gets a lot of good political debates going because he's got a lot of, you know, Trumpians on one side of his page and, you know, Democrats on the other side. And I remember uh, getting into an argument with one of these guys. And then the guy was was annoyed with me when he found out I was from Canada because he's like, you don't have the right to weigh in on our political situation. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Actually, I do. <laughs> It's this crazy thing we have up here. We can say whatever the fuck we want, right? And he, so he started, you know, trying to attack me and, you know, take shots at me. And his favorite shot to take at me was like, oh, well, yeah, why don't you go, why don't you go ask the queen what you think about that? And it was so funny because it'd be like, it'd be like, oh, yeah, Roger, why don't you go eat some barbecue and see what you think about that? Yeah, why don't you, why don't you go have a, a glass of wine? And I'm just like, you know, saying that Canadians like the Queen is, it's not actually that much of an insult. I, I guess maybe if you're a staunch American who was like, we fought the British and got away from them and you guys didn't, then it might be. But I was just like, yeah, you guys fought the, uh, you know, a lot of bloodshed to get free. And then we just later, we just went, Hey guys, can we be free? And they were <laughs> like, true. yeah, okay. <laughs> it was quite a while later, but, uh, <laughs> We wrote them a letter and they said, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Just check in with us from time to time, okay? <laughs> Less work for me, but I still have to sign off on all your laws, okay? You can't go go. Sure, crazy. sure. Yeah, no problem. Well, you know what? We'll make a little job where someone like, like, like stands here. It's like a stand-in for you, so you don't have to come over here all the time. It'd be great. Trudeau didn't get that right either, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and the circle has come back around again. Oh, man. Let's tie it off right there. National Talkie League, America's most trusted source for news. All right. Well, that's uh, going to bring us to the end of yet another regulation time here for the National Talkie League. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Once again, it's been Roger Kincaid and Dave Ware. Uh, I'm getting a little football on you here. It's been a fabulous match. Uh, the players are out on the pitch shaking hands as we come to full time. <laughs> I love it. You're reminding me of the billiards guy who would like wrap up the show. Had Stephen <laughs> Hendry once again showing his prowess. You know, David Black with the wonderful potting of that yellow. And, uh, and that is it. Uh, we'll see you uh, next time. <laughs> not to uh, not to bring the James Bond thing back in again, but I was watching uh, one of the earliest films uh, from Russia with Love. And there's a bit where they're explaining how his secret briefcase works because that was his gadget. It was like a spy briefcase. And uh, so they're talking about the latches and how they've changed the latches so that if you don't open them the right way, this thing of talcum powder explodes in right. your face. Right? And he's like, so normally the latches can be moved here and here. <laughs> so I walked around the house the rest of the day going, here and here. Hey, uh, big thanks to Chris, who's uh, a big fan of the podcast. And he posted a really um, thought-provoking uh, post on our Facebook page about the, the beer tax in, in the wake of this um, – uh, well, I guess in response, rather, to him seeing this axe the tax petition going around to get rid of the beer tax. So um, we we did reach out, uh, Dave, to find some people that might have something to say about this beer tax, give us some clarity on it. Um, and we didn't we didn't land an interview, so we'll see if we can find maybe someone to give us some insight for a future episode on this uh, particular beer tax. Yeah, I think that would be very interesting. Uh, always like to hear. The behind the scenes and the uh, inside baseball from other mm -hmm. sports, that kind of thing. 
or from other fields of business. Sorry, not sports. <laughs> Good metaphors. All uh, depending on when you listen to this podcast, uh, we either will have made an announcement or we will have an announcement for you uh, coming up. So I guess Wednesday, the 24th, Dave, is when we're going to find something out about the National Talkie League podcast and we'll be able to share it with everybody. Yeah, in regards to perhaps some sort of poll that was going on in the city that we uh, asked you guys all to nominate us for. That co- yeah, that sort precisely. of thing, perhaps, maybe? Yeah, so uh, once we know more, uh, once that's been unveiled, we'll uh, we'll appeal to your better nature to uh, help yeah. us out. Yeah, there will, be, there will be an assignment. There will be some homework. But until then, uh, again, we always love any kind of feedback that you guys have, uh, positive or negative. Always love to hear from you guys. We can always get better. Or, you know, if you like the direction we're going, good to hear that too. Help us course correct a little bit. Uh, so feel free to keep the comments coming in. Uh, we're, we're getting pretty talky on the, uh, the Twitter these days. So feel free to throw stuff at us there. Uh, and as always, if you, uh, if you're listening to us through some sort of, uh, you know, iTunes or Google Play or some other podcast program that allows you to go in and rate stuff, we always love a nice little rating with, uh, you know, five stars and, uh, and reviews are nice too, because that always helps other people decide whether they want to listen to. And, uh, and Roger, what sort of, uh, word would you like to see? in our reviews uh, this just week. that Trudeau is fantastic <laughs> well that would be an interesting one to work into your uh, your discourse yeah, the, and your the review. gauntlet is, is down accept uh, the challenge should you dare <laughs> the, the vanguard has been thrown <laughs> alright so we'll catch you on uh, we'll catch you next time on the National Talkie League thanks so much thanks bye You've been listening to the National Talkie League. Show notes from this episode can be found at nationaltalkieleague.com. Support for this podcast comes from you. Please share it on social media. Give a five-star review in your favorite podcast store. And connect with us on Facebook. On behalf of Roger Kincaid and Dave Ware, thank you.